Welcome to the Craft to Career Podcast with Elizabeth Chapel, where every week we dive into how you can turn your craft into a successful career. Get ready to have the career you've always dreamed of. Hello, and welcome to episode 16 of the Craft to Career Podcast. I am Elizabeth Chapel, the host of the show, and I'm really excited because this is the last week. For you listeners to enter to get a free business coaching call, if you are interested in having me take a look at your business and share tips for success, keep in mind this is going to be used for a future podcast episode, but if that's something you're interested in, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. In the review, leave either your email address or your Instagram name so that I can find you. And I am going to start this week by reading a review. This comes from at wildplumlane.quilts. This person says, really enjoying the practical advice and actionable tips focused on craft business owners and hearing how other very successful businesses started out. It is so helpful to hear their journeys and know that it all starts with small steps forward. I am slowly getting ready to launch my very first quilt pattern, website, and email list, and I'm finding every episode packed full with tips and often need to pause to put ideas down on my to-do list. Thank you, Elizabeth. So at Wild Plum Lane Quilts, I am so excited for you. What an exciting time. Good luck with your first quilt pattern, your website, and your email list. And I'm really glad that this podcast is helpful for you and that you're able to put down some notes on your to-do list and have some actionable items. So good luck. The podcast today is called To the Naysayers. So let's talk about what a naysayer is. A naysayer is someone who is saying no. And in the case of this podcast, I'm talking about people who are saying no to you as a business owner, as a creative, as an entrepreneur. This can look a lot of different ways, but um, this in particular, I'm talking about this because recently I've seen a lot of people in the quilting community say, I keep hearing that this is oversaturated, that there's not room for me. This is discouraging. I heard a little bit of that, um, and I recently have had to tune that out. And we're going to talk about that more as I get to the end with some coping strategies for this. But I want to address this topic of the naysayers. And I want to keep in mind who the naysayers are. For one, sometimes it's other people. Sometimes it's us. Sometimes it's us towards ourselves, and that's probably the most common and harmful one is when we believe we can't do something or we can't reach our goal or our dreams, but sometimes it's us towards other people as well. So as I'm talking about the naysayers today, you know, let's think about it. It's not just other people towards us. It's not just those people over there who are being mean that it can, you know, let's have compassion when we think about this because in all reality, we are all the naysayers from time to time. So first, I just kind of want to look at why, like, why do humans do this? Why do humans say this? And it comes back to this biological factor that one, we as humans want to stick with a crowd. There is safety in that. And it's actually kind of a beautiful thing that our brain is protecting us. We want to be with a crowd because that's safe. If you go back far enough, 
we were hunters and gatherers and it was dangerous to go out on your own. You know, if you venture out on your own, there's no one to help have your back and protect you. And so we are wired as humans to connect, to belong to a group, to have our, our people. And so innately, there's something scary when we go out on our own, which comes to us being the naysayers to ourselves, we get nervous and we think, I don't know if I should do this. I'm going out on a ledge here. I'm alone. It feels dangerous. But if we can recognize what's going on with the brain and just say, no, okay, brain, I hear you. Thank you for trying to warn me, but this is safe. I can do this. And recognize that other people feel threatened by that too. When someone else, you know, when someone's an outlier and they're going out from the norm, that can feel scary and intimidating. And so people, one of the reasons that they get nervous is they want to protect you and they really have good intentions. And so not everyone who's saying, oh, I don't know about this is coming from a a place of hurt or not wanting you to succeed. Some of it really can be trying to protect you. So that's where some compassion can come in and realizing where, where that's coming from. There's also something interesting with the human brain that I found really fascinating. The human brain actually gives more credit to bad news, to negative things. And that sounds really depressing. Like, really? Come on, people. Let's pull it together. Let's be happy. Turn that frown upside down. But there, again, is a biological reason for this. So let's pretend that there's something really scary happening. It could be that your life is in danger. And again, this is your brain trying to protect you, trying to say, danger, danger, be careful. You could die. Our, you know, our body wants us to live. It wants us to survive. So when negative things happen, the risk goes up. Our brain is on alert. Positive things, on the other hand, if we miss it, if we don't pay attention, it's not our life isn't in danger. We're missing out on some kind of pleasure, but the consequence of missing it, it's not death, you know, Um, and it can come again. But if we miss something that's dangerous, that could harm us, we might not have a second chance. That could be it. So again, when let's say that someone went to a concert and you asked, you know, two friends went to a concert, how to go? The first one says, oh, it was amazing. Loved it. The second friend says it was terrible. The sound quality was bad. And you know, whatever, if it's negative, your brain gives more credibility. And so it's really interesting if there's someone out there like yours truly, who says there is room enough for everyone. And someone else who says, no, there's not. That's ridiculous. Your brain automatically gives more credit to the negative thoughts. So just be aware of that, that when you hear someone who's positive, it's natural to, to not give it as much credibility and to, and to forget it. Have you ever had someone give you a compliment And you're just kind of, yeah, sure. Let's say hair. Someone says, oh, I love your hair. It looks great. And the next second someone says, oh my gosh, you should maybe get a haircut. You're going to remember that you should get a haircut way more than you're going to remember that, hey, your hair looks lovely. If you have 20 people who tell you your hair looks lovely and one person who tells you, oof, 
I would do something with that hair. You're going to feel like you should do something with your hair because our brain is wired to remember the negative. And again, this goes back to survival, trying to protect you from dangers. But just let's step back sometimes and realize that's an opinion from someone. It's way easier said than done. Okay. I'm with you here. Like I am human too. And when someone says something negative, it's not so easy to just be like, Oh, that's just someone's opinion. But it is helpful to understand why sometimes our brains obsess on, focus on, give more credit to the negative things and to realize that just because we're focusing on it more doesn't mean it's true or that it's more valid. Our brain is just trying to play this protective role, which ironically can really not be that serving for us. But let's just recognize what's what's going on there. And when it comes to starting a business, this is the rub of it. It's scary. You're putting yourself out there and your business depends on other people liking what you're offering. And so that's an extra double whammy of like, if someone comes and says, oh, I don't like this, that's, you know, your livelihood, that's your business, the success of your business. So it's natural to really care about what people are saying and the feedback that you're getting. So we've talked a little bit about how it's natural for humans to focus on the negative. There's also this interesting hierarchy that humans play. There's two games that humans play. One is wealth, where people want to have more in our society. It's money, but historically it could have been land or family or food But right now, the commodity that we share, that we trade is money. So one game people play is they want to have more money. Another game people play is status. And this is a really interesting concept that I heard from a podcast, the Naval podcast on being rich. I'll leave a link to that in the show notes. And the show notes you can find at quilterscandy.com and click on the podcast tab. And this is episode 16 to the naysayers. In the podcast, Naval talks about when people earn wealth, that sometimes there's another group of people who will say, well, that's evil. Money is evil. It's bad. Or they might say, well, the way that they're earning their money is not ethically right, or they are just bad at that. And when this happens, this is a second type of game, and it is the status game. And so the status game is a zero sum game. What that means is in order for someone to move up in the rankings to get more status, someone else has to move down. It's it ends up making a person bitter and competitive and selfish whereas wealth is a positive sum game. That means the more wealth that someone gets, it doesn't take away from someone else's you know, we can all increase in wealth and it doesn't have to put anyone else below us. And at first when I heard that, I was like, well, but there's a finite amount of resources in the world. How, how is that possible? Like I couldn't wrap my head around it, but in that podcast, Naval talked about progress. He talked about how he would rather be a poor person in our world 
than be a rich person in like King Louis XIV's court in France. Because at some point along history, and this I'm kind of putting in my own words here, but one person discovered electricity. Another person discovered motors for cars. Another person discovered antibiotics, indoor plumbing. And now all of a sudden, the standard of our world has gotten so much better that the average person lives a much more comfortable life where at the time when one person found this great thing and became successful or wealthy or rich, you better believe there were people around them who were envious, who were playing the status game, who were saying, oh, well, I can't believe they would do that. Or who knows what they were saying when these inventions came about. But in the long run, it benefited everybody. Everybody wins. And same with, let's just look in my little realm of the quilting world. Let's say that there, there were only two quilt pattern designers in the world. And that's it. Just two. So there's two designs, two looks, and people are buying those patterns. That's it. Now, let's in an alternate universe, like let's say the one we're in now, there's a plethora of quilt pattern designers, each one coming up with their own ideas, some of them similar, some very different. All of a sudden, there are more people seeing quilt patterns. More people are going to say, you know, I think think I like that, which is exactly what happened with myself stumbling into the quilting world, finding things that were very different from what I thought quilting was. So all of a sudden, more people are coming into the quilting world. And then all of a sudden, there are people saying, goodness, there is a demand for fabric. I'm going to open a fabric shop and provide fabrics that I really like. And then there are more people saying, you know what, there's a need for tech editors. I, I'd love to be a tech editor or a photographer of quilts or a Pinterest social media account manager. All of a sudden there are so many jobs because there are so many people making quilt patterns, selling quilt patterns, making quilts, needing to display them in their homes and so on and so on. And then if we keep going, the standard goes up. All of a sudden people realize, well, these few patterns are really good. And then they start to buy those and people flock to that. And the designers say, wait, 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 everyone's doing that. Let's, let's do a little bit better. Let's try this. And the standard just keeps going up and up and up. And so wealth is a positive sum game. And beyond just that, beyond, you know, the status quo going up and everyone rising together in that way, there's also something called synergy, and that idea comes from Stephen Covey, but this idea of synergy, that when creatives work together, when, when people come together and, and have ideas together, that there's more like one plus one equals three. And I have experienced that in my own life. When I get together with someone and we are both really supportive of each other or a group of people. I've been in a room with people where we legitimately are excited for each other and we want the other person to succeed. We start coming up with ideas and what we leave with is better than what we could have ever come up with on our own. And likewise, I've been in a room where it felt competitive and it felt unsafe and it's draining and it makes me like want to 
look around my shoulder, what's going on? Who, you know, wait, they did what? I need to do that. And this competitiveness. And that is, is a zero sum game. It's that status where, wait, 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 who's at the top? Oh, I need to do this to push them down so I can get up. That is not, no, I mean, okay, I say no one's a winner. There is one winner in that scenario. So just to think about that, as you start to hear someone else say, well, I can't believe they're doing it that way, or they should do it this way, or that's terrible, that they're probably wanting to move themselves up. And when I say probably, they're wanting to move themselves up in the status. They want to say, well, at least I can look better ethically or morally. And generally it's when people are feeling threatened or they see someone achieving success in an area that they are not. And so it's this, well, at least I can be winning in the status game if I can't be winning in that game. So on this idea of the wealth versus status game, there was also a a study that was done. It's called The Ultimate Game, introduced by Werner Guth in 1982. Again, there will be a link to this in the show notes. But this basically was a study where they took two people, gave the first person some money, and said, split this between the two of you however you want. And then the second person got to decide if they keep the money or if they don't. And this was all or nothing. So either both of them get to keep that split of the money or neither of them get anything. So how this would look, the first person would get, let's say, $100. And then they could split it however they wanted. So it's all $1 bills. And they could do $1 for them. $99 for the other person, or they could do $99 for them and one for the other, or 50-50, 80-20, 60-40, however, whatever they decided they wanted to do. And then that second person got to say, okay, great, let's keep it. Or I don't think so. We are not keeping this money. And what they found is the closer the percentage was to 50-50, the more often the second person said, yeah, let's keep it. The further it got from that, so let's say 2080 or more, the more often that second person would say, absolutely not. Nope, that's not happening. Neither one of us is going to take this money because there's no way you're walking away with $80 when I get 20. So isn't that interesting? Because from a purely economic standpoint, that second person is better off getting $1 than nothing. That is still more than what they had when they started. But it's that idea of, well, that person got more than me, and that's not fair. When in reality, they had nothing to start with. They're getting a gift. But if we look at this in regards to just the human nature, there's something about us looking at other people, and we're happy with our success but it's always in comparison to someone else. And so we can feel real great about what we're doing if we know someone who's not doing as well as us. But as soon as you see someone else doing so much better than you, it feels like what you have isn't enough. Now, I say that like it's an absolute. It doesn't have to be that way. Let's just recognize that it's pretty common. And if someone else is a naysayer to you, they might be feeling threatened by your success. So just keep that in mind, both for yourself, 
but also if you start to look at someone else, if things like, I wish they weren't doing it that way, or things that I hear in the quilting world, I wish they didn't release patterns as often as they did. That looks just like everyone else's. I wish that they would design something different or unique. Okay, these are, if you're saying something like this, I invite you to just ask yourself, why does that bother me? Why am I feeling that way? Because it might be an indication that you're feeling somewhat threatened by the success of the other person, or you might be feeling like there's pressure for me to do that and I don't want to, or I don't, I don't think that's the way that it should be done. And this is something that I have had to ask myself. And, and when I say this, I'm not presenting this as if I have arrived and that I don't deal with these things myself anymore because I am human too. Um, but they are things that I have become aware of in myself. And I've definitely seen it come towards me. I've seen it you know, with friends towards others and with myself towards others, but it really does. It's very interesting for me to step back when I'm feeling that and question why, why am I caring what they do with their business is none of my business. Um, that other people's business, how they run it, how they function really can stand independent of what I decide to do. And you have that liberty too. If you see someone doing something and you think that it's dumb or you, or ugly or whatever, or they're doing it the wrong way, it just doesn't matter that they get to do that. And if it really is dumb, it's not going to sell well. So let the market speak for itself. And rather than worry yourself with, well, they need to do it this way or that way. Put that energy into what you're doing, what you're creating. Now, it's a lot harder when those comments come towards you from someone else. But again, realizing that it's probably coming from a place of where someone's feeling threatened. It, it's not about you. If someone is sending those messages your way, it's really not about you. And I know, again, that that's easier said than done because I literally have had um comments before about my designs or what I offer, what I do from an ethical standpoint. And it hurts because we're humans, because we do, we do care. We're wired to care. But I also want to jump into some coping strategies for when you do hear these things, how, how to move forward. I want to talk about some coping strategies because we do hear these things and it is hard, but things that have helped me. And if you have other tips, please leave a review or a comment because I would love to hear what other people do that helps with this. But what I love to do is I'll go to Brad, my husband. He is a great sounding board and a great reminder. And I'll tell him, gosh, I'm just in my head a little bit about X, Y, Z. And I'll just say, gosh, I'm in my head a little bit. And I'll share what I've heard or what's going on. And he's very good about bringing it back and saying, okay, 
what's your main goal? What's your vision? What are you trying to offer? And helping me bring it back to, okay, yeah, that's irrelevant. So it's really helpful to have a healthy person in your life who can be a sounding board, who can listen to you and not just listen. I mean, it's kind of fun sometimes to have someone be like, yeah, that's terrible. They're just the worst, but really that's not where you want to go. So if you can have someone in your life, who's going to say, don't worry about that. You know what? Yes, it's hurtful, but what are your goals? What are, what are you really working towards and help you focus on the good things rather than focus on the negative. So if you have those people in your life, hold on to that, reach out to them. Also, I like to find a quiet place and there's some things that I'll tell myself if I can, if it's, if it's not weird, if there aren't people around, then I will say it out loud. Cause I do think there's something powerful with vocally saying these things. But if not, I'll even just close my eyes or if I'm in public, not close my eyes, but just repeat in my mind these things. And I'm going to say them slowly. And actually, I have a free PDF also in the show notes where you can print these out and they're written down for you so that you can repeat them. You can write them down. You can say them out loud. So here they are. I am powerful. I am a hard worker. I believe in myself. I like what I create. I create beautiful, meaningful things. I create things people love. Success is available to everyone. I am successful. There is room for everyone. I support others. Others support me. So if you notice, I used some I am statements and those are really powerful. And the thing is, sometimes people think, well, I don't believe that. I don't want to say it because that's a lie. Just try it. There really is power in saying something, even if it's not there yet. Like if you say I am successful and in your mind, you're like, but I'm not say it say it and allow yourself to picture that success and say, I support others. Even if you're struggling with that, say, I support others. I am a hard worker. I create beautiful things. Say those things. You will picture that success. You will picture being the person that you want to be, and it will start to feel like a reality And all of a sudden, those things that other people are saying kind of drip away and you really start to focus on what you are offering the world, what you are creating, the good that you are bringing, and the energy will change. You will start to feel a difference. So like I said, it's best if you can find a quiet place to do that where you can say it out loud. But even if not, just in your mind, repeat those things. I create things people love. Success is available to everyone. So again, all of those that I've just said, I have on a free PDF. It's a free paper that you can just print off. You can save it and practice saying those things. I literally have them written down and I look at them because when I'm in a funk and I start to feel weird about stuff, sometimes I can't even pull out, well, what do I say now? Because 
I'm and negative stuff comes out. So it's nice to have that written down where you can pull it out and look at it and say those things until that starts to your, your mind, your thoughts start changing and you start thinking those positive things. One last thing I did want to touch on is the fact that as a business owner, you're, well, you're going to hear some, some feedback sometimes that isn't great. And I hate to burst your bubble. If you haven't experienced that yet, you will, at least if you're trying, if you're putting out a product continually, you will. Um, so I invite you to listen to the feedback from your customers because there is a difference from naysayers versus honest feedback from a customer. And so when a customer says something like, this pattern is written terribly, <laughs> let's say that that's just how they wrote the email. Let's just say it's a nasty email, okay? Sometimes the, that feedback can be a little bit more nice, and sometimes it's not. The natural knee-jerk reaction of a human being is to get defensive. It just is to say, no, you're the idiot. <laughs> just me? No, it's not just me. Um, but it's to get defensive. And naturally, I mean, hopefully we don't respond that way to our customers, but there's a defense mechanism that comes up that's like, no, 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 I did this right. But let's recognize that no one is good at everything. So recognize that you have your strong points that are going to help you in your business but you're also not great at all of the things. So I think of myself, I'm a creative, I'm passionate. I'm not as great at the details. I'm not as great with the numbers. And so that lends itself to some errors that come up. And so there have been times where I've gotten feedback of, uh, there's this, did you notice this mistake? And it's really important to to notice when there are mistakes, especially if there's mistakes that happen over and over again, that that might be a time for you to hire someone, to bring someone on who is good at that thing. If that's not a possibility, because at the beginning of a creative career or entrepreneurial experience, that is a luxury not a lot of people have. So maybe just start to recognize this area has been a problem area for me and I need to change my processes here. I need to change how I'm approaching this. I need to make sure to double check this. So there is value in listening to your customer feedback and realizing that sometimes someone might have really had a bad experience and that they're not just being mean. That's not coming from a biological thing. It's coming from an actual experience that you created as a business owner that was not ideal. And so there is, there's room to listen to feedback from people. Um, and that's very different from a naysayer, you know, they play very different roles, but just to not write off anyone who says something negative as, oh, that's just a naysayer, but to realize there is value in listening to feedback. And if I can invite you to, um, to be kind and courteous in those responses, I know also, I mean, I'm going to say most people get defensive when someone isn't happy with something you have done, especially as a business owner. And it's real tempting to just get upset. 
So in summary, I hope that you enjoyed the naysayer podcast and hopefully learn to have a little compassion for ourselves and for others when, when there's some naysaying going on and also recognizing that not every negative comment is a naysayer, that there might be something to learn as a business owner and also to have some coping strategies for when you do hear the naysayers and it might start to get in your head that there are some things you can say and do that will help you to not focus on that so much. So if you found this episode helpful, if there's something that you really feel like you can take away from this, or if you feel like other people should hear this, take a screenshot of what you're listening to now and you can share it on your social media, you can tell people that, hey, you know what? I am here in this with you and I want to be a supporter. I want the wealth. I want the positive sum game where we are here to lift each other up. I really hope that this was encouraging and that you feel excited and empowered about your creative career. So thank you so much for tuning in this week. Next week, as I mentioned, I will be sharing who the winner is of the free business coaching call. To enter, subscribe to the podcast and leave a review with your Instagram name or your email address. And I'll announce next week, next Friday, who the winner is. And next Friday, we also have a guest, Shelly Morgan. She is a blogger extraordinaire, and she is going to share with us how you can earn money with a blog. And I'm so excited to have her because this is something I didn't know a whole ton about. I learned a lot and I am really excited for you guys to hear more about how your blog can bring you income. So I will see you next week on the Craft a Career podcast. I hope you have a great week and we'll talk to you later. Mm-hmm.